Who's seen Batman Begins? Did you guys know that I was going to be speaking tonight when that came on the screens? A few people did, yeah. Um, He's right, isn't he? He says, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Um, It's what we do that makes us who we are. Have you ever noticed how adults introduce themselves? If you met a guy named Greg, he would probably do this. Hey, I'm Greg. I'm an engineer and I like to surf. Straight away, he's talking about the stuff that he does to try and show you who he is. And that makes sense, because imagine, imagine a soccer player, right? Like a guy who was obsessed with soccer, who hated to be called a soccer player. You'd be like, well, that's crazy. That's who you are. You're the soccer playing guy. That's who you are. Or if someone says they're a musician, what do you expect them to do? Tell me. What do you... Play an instrument or the drums, either way. But they're a musician, no, I'm just joking, drums are great. Um, They're a musician because they play an instrument. Um, Now, is that the same for Christians? Is someone a Christian because of certain things that they do? Or let me put it another way. Um, Are there things you have to do to actually be a Christian? Like go to church. Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Do you have to read your Bible? Do you have to pray to be a Christian? And maybe tonight, maybe you're not sure if you're a Christian because uh, you're wondering, have I done the right things the right amount of time to be a Christian? I'm not sure. Or maybe you are a Christian, but sometimes you don't feel that close to God connected and you're wondering, are there certain things I should be doing that would make me close to God? Or maybe you're wondering, what do I, maybe you're just wondering straight up, what do I have to do to get to heaven? What are the things I have to do? Well, the passage that we had read for us tonight, that we're looking at tonight, is going to answer those questions. These are the sorts of things that Paul is wrestling with in Galatians chapter 2, the part we had read. And in our chunk, Paul talks about this really, I don't know if you caught it, he talks about this really weird thing that happened. Basically, right, there's the Apostle Cephas, which is... His other name is Peter, and Peter is such a better name than Cephas. The Apostle Peter, we're just going to call him that from now on, he used to hang out and eat with the Gentile Christians, right? But then he stopped doing it, and Paul spits the dummy at him, basically. So let me give you a bit of, there's, there's weird things going on here. So let me try and give you a little bit of background info in comic form to help you out. There are two kinds of Christians in Paul's day, right? There's Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. So, a Jewish Christian was somebody who used to follow the Old Testament laws. They they followed the Jewish religion, right? But then, instead of following that, they started following Jesus. Instead of following Old Testament rules, start following Jesus. That's Jewish, Jewish Christians. And then, the other kind of Christian is a Gentile Christian. And Gentile Christian didn't used to follow the Old Testament laws. They used to do a bunch of whatever, but now they follow Jesus. And so they're the two kind of Christians back in the day. And so let's just um, do a survey here. Put your hand up if you, before you became a Christian, used to follow Judaism. Nobody here converted from Judaism into Christianity? All right, so that means we are all Gentile Christians here. And in chapter 2, Cephas, or Peter, he does something really bad And Paul freaks out about it. Have a look at verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. 
For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Sounds like a fun group. Basically, I've got this on slides as well. Um, Peter, right? He used to be cool with the Gentiles. And he was like, hey, let's, you want Peter? Let's hang out. It's all good. And then these dudes show up, and all of a sudden, next slide, he separates himself from the, Jew, the Gentile Christians. And he's like, I don't, ooh, I'm scared to eat with you now. And so he's not hanging out with them anymore. And Paul freaks out about it because, not because um, Paul had like a weird thing about people should be really friendly together and we should cuddle and all be friends, not because of that, but because by Peter drawing away from the Gentiles and not sharing his pizza, he was saying, you guys aren't as good as I am because I keep the laws and you don't. And he was actually saying that the Gentiles, the Gentile Christians, had to do something extra to get right with God. And Paul is devil about that. And so he goes to town on him, and here's the first big thing that Paul corrects Peter on. He says this, We can't get right with God by works. Have a look at verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. Two things. He says we're justified not by works of the law, but by faith. So what does it mean to be justified? And what are the works of the law? They're the two kind of things we've got to figure out. So first of all, justified. To be justified is a really, it's an important word, so you need to learn this and lock it in your mind. To be justified is to be declared not guilty. Like when a judge gets his gavel and says... Oh, wait, 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 sorry. He says first, I find the defendant not guilty. That's being justified. And here he's talking about being justified before God, right with God. And the second thing, what are the works of the law? Well, they're the Old Testament rules that the Jews had to keep to get right with God. It's kind of like a ladder, like you had these... You had these like four things that you had to do, and if you could do this, and then you could do this as well, and you could do that, and you could do that, then you'd be right with God. They were the rules you had to keep. But Paul says, no one's going to get right with God by keeping the rules. It's just not going to happen. And why? It's because we're sinful. We're sinful. We'll never be able to keep the the rules well enough. A, A sinner, like me, trying to keep the rules well enough is like asking a baby to walk up these stairs. My, um, my neighbour and good friend, um, Leon and Laura Smith, they just had a little baby, which I think I've got a picture of. That, that's actually their baby. It looks like a baby model, hey? Yeah. Um, they just had this baby, right? We can get rid of that picture now. And um, pretty much all little Jai is good for at the moment is crying, eating, sleeping, and pooping. That's pretty much all he can do, right? A sinner trying to get right with God by keeping all the rules is like me asking Jai, hey little buddy, climb up these stairs. It's just not going to happen. He can't do it. He's physically unable to do it. And we are spiritually unable to keep God's laws. The first step, I don't know if you know the Ten Commandments, the first one is you shall have no other gods before me. Don't worship anything other than God. Straight away, we've already failed that. 
We always worship other stuff. So no one can keep God's laws. That's what Paul's trying to say. And to stress the point, to get it across, he says that not even us Jewish Christians, not even we are relying on the law anymore. That's what he says in verse 15. He says, those sinful Gentiles, they never had the law. They were lawless. Which, by the way, if you were wondering when you studied this passage in verse 15, you know how he calls the Gentiles sinful? And you're wondering, well, does that mean the Jews weren't sinful? No, he's not saying that. He's saying that the Jews, the Gentiles were sinful in the Jews' eyes because they didn't have the law. And they never tried to keep the law. Those guys are sinners. But now he's saying, not even us Jewish Christians, we're not even trying to keep the law now. Because we can't keep that. There's no way we can get right with God through the law. So guys, what are you counting on to make you right with God? If it's anything other than Jesus, the Bible, just, the Bible says it just won't do. If you're not a Christian here tonight, my guess is the thing you're probably relying on is you being a good enough person. You, you know, not being mad to your friends and not killing anyone and... Those things won't do. Those things will never be able to get you right with God. He says you can't, the Bible, Paul, God, says you can't get right with me by doing good stuff. That's the first point. But how does this work? Is, is there actually going to be anyone in heaven then? How, if it's not up to me to get right with God through my works, how can it happen at all? Is anyone going to be in heaven? Well, here's the second thing that Paul says. Faith in Jesus frees you from works. Have a look at verse 19. You guys have got your Bibles, hey? Yeah, sick. Good one. Verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. Paul says he's died to the law. He no longer has to try and climb the stairs to get right with God. And how did Paul die to the law? Were you ready for this? This is where it starts getting a little bit tricky. Um, when Jesus died, Paul died. Paul and Jesus had become one. It's kind of like when you go skydiving. You know, I haven't been skydiving, but I'm told that when you go skydiving, you get strapped to your instructor. And so anything that happens to your instructor happens to you. So when he jumps out of the plane, you jump out of the plane with him. If his parachute fails, your parachute has failed. Anything that happens to him happens to you. And Paul... That's what's going on here. Paul has become one with Jesus. And so when Jesus died on the cross, Paul died on the cross. Have a look at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying when Jesus, Jesus was crucified, he was crucified for Paul's sin, for your sin, for my sin. And so for anyone who trusts in Jesus... When you become, you actually become one with Jesus. And so what happened to him happened to you. So if you're a Christian, you can say, I've been crucified with Christ. All of my failing to keep God's laws, all of my ignoring God, all of my selfishness, all my rebellion, that was all put on Jesus 2,000 years ago. And so my punishment that I deserve is Dunskies. It's done. The law could no longer say to me and could no longer say to Paul, you're guilty. No, Paul had been crucified with Christ. His punishment had been paid. 
And so Paul says, I've died to the law and its demands. And the law is no longer my master. It no longer has to tell me what to do because now he follows Jesus. Did you just catch that at the, the second half of verse 20? He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's been freed from the law and now he lives by faith in the Son of God. He lives trusting in Jesus. It's like a dog and his master when a dog gets a new master. Now, this illustration is not perfect, but just try and go with me. I think it'll be helpful. Imagine you're a dog and in your lifetime you have two different masters, right? And the first one is a bit of a dog himself. He sucks, right? He's a cruel master. He never takes you on walks. He, um, he beats you. He hardly feeds you. And, um, and you find it heaps hard to be nice to your master, right? You want to bite him, but you don't. But your master has rules in the household, right? And you as the household pet, your rule is to try and bring in the paper. But you suck at keeping that rule because you're a dog and you, instead of bringing it in all nice, you slobber all over it and you chew it up and so you often fail. But when you fail at your master's rule, he kicks you real hard. He's a psycho. Um, and you fail all the time, right? And so this one time, it's Wednesday and dogs can tell when it's Wednesday. And so you're like, oh, it's paper day. So you go outside to get the paper and you just eat it and leave it and then go back inside and you forget. But once you get inside, you know you're going to get a beating. You know that your master's going to come down on your heart and kick you, right? But then this other bloke comes, this other human comes, right? And you're like, oh, who's this guy? And he says to your master, because this dog can actually understand English as well. See how imperfect this illustration is? That you hear this new guy say to your master, I'm the one who didn't bring in the paper this week. Let the, the dog go. It was actually my fault. And then your master just starts kicking this bloke. <laughs> and so this new guy, he gets punished for your sin, for your doing wrong. And this new bloke takes you home as well. And he becomes your new master. And this new guy, you just love him. He's an awesome master. He doesn't ask you to take in the paper. And he says to you, you don't have to do that anymore. I love you even though you suck at taking in the paper. I love you even that. This guy is epic. You love him. That's kind of what Paul's saying here in dog form. Paul says, when you become a Christian, you get freed from the old law. You don't have to do that. And you've got a new master. Jesus, you now live for him, not for the old law and its ways. Never again will you have to try and do things to be right with God. How good's that? That's so good. But I reckon um, some of you might be sitting there asking, well, if that's the case, why do I have to do anything at all? Why do we have to come to church? Why, why do I try not to swear? Why do I not have sex before marriage? If it's not about me doing stuff, then why does that matter at all? Why can't I just do whatever I want? And if you're asking that question, that means you're starting to get it. That's the right question to be asking. In fact, Paul raises a similar kind of question in verse 17. He says, does this mean that Jesus is cool with us sinning? Is Jesus now a promoter of sin? And the answer, of course, is no. 
Jesus doesn't want us to sin. He does want us to live differently. Okay, so it's not about what I do, but Jesus does want me to do stuff. He does want me to live differently, live a life that pleases God. So, does that mean that I have to trust in Jesus and do good stuff to be right with God? No way. That is not what it's saying. And this is the really big thing you've got to get tonight, ready? This is the last point and the real big one. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. If you add anything to trust in Jesus, any kind of good thing like Bible reading or whatever, you lose everything. Have a look at verse 21. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law... Christ died for nothing. If we could get right with God through just being good, then Jesus died for nothing. And it doesn't matter what it is, what else are you trying to add to Jesus? If it's, you know, Jesus plus going to church, or Jesus plus reading the Bible, Jesus plus praying, or Jesus plus being a really good bloke, as soon as you add anything to Jesus, as soon as it stops being Jesus alone, you've lost Jesus completely. Because you're no longer just relying on Jesus' death to save you, you're relying on yourself and your ability to climb the ladder again and do this thing. And if, if, if you had to do this thing as well, what does that tell you about Jesus' death? You guys, you guys actually answer that. If you had to trust in Jesus and do this thing, what does that tell you about Jesus' death? Yeah, it wasn't that good, was it? It was like, oh, that was pretty good. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, I guess. Thanks. But I still got to do this. No, no, no. It's trust in Jesus alone. Trust in Jesus alone equals right with God. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And so, our question for the night are there things you have to do to be a Christian? No. Do you have to go to church to be right with God? No. Do you have to read your Bible to be right with God? No. As soon as you add that stuff to Jesus, you're forgetting about Jesus and relying on yourself and those things. See, what is a Christian? Well, too often when I ask you guys this, you say, oh, a Christian is someone who trusts in Jesus and comes to church and reads their Bibles and prays. No, that's the wrong answer. The right answer is someone who trusts in Jesus. Full stop. Don't say anything more. Just shut your mouth. It's not what a Christian does that defines them. That man's wrong in this instance. It's Jesus that defines them. If you add anything to Jesus, you get nothing. Guys, it's heaps important to get this. Heaven and hell are on the line. So let's do some application. If you're not a Christian, I just want you to see how epic Jesus is. He can make you right with God without you having to do anything. So stop ignoring God and become a Christian tonight. Stop trying to be good enough by yourself. You can't do it. Put your trust in Jesus. Second thing, you might be thinking, well, if this is true... Why should we go to church or give money to youth or um, read our Bibles? 
Why do I actually have to do that stuff? Well, here's the principle, which is I want you to lock in your mind. I'm not saved because I obey. I obey because I'm saved. You got that? I'm not saved right with God because I obey. No, no, I obey because I'm saved. So you don't have to do things to get right with God, but you do those things because you are right with God. So these things, going to church, reading your Bible, they're not salvation issues, they're more maturity issues. So you don't have to be at youth every Friday night to be a Christian, but a mature a more mature Christian would be because you'd get that you've been saved to be part of God's people. Now, of course, there are other times when you can't get there and things come up and that's okay. But see that this is the thing you've been saved to. It doesn't save you, but it's what you've been saved to. And again, you don't have to give money at youth to be a Christian, but a more mature Christian would. Because you'd get that spending your money on people hearing about Jesus is so much more important than going to the movies and buying new clothes and petrol. Just carpool. Do whatever you need to do so that you can give to people hearing about Jesus. But remember the principle. You've got to have this in your mind. I'm not saved because I obey. I obey because I'm saved. Third thing, are there times when you don't feel close to God? You know, sometimes you realize like it's the end of the day and you realize that you haven't spent much time today thinking about God. You haven't prayed much. You didn't speak to your friends about Jesus at school. You haven't read your Bible much lately. And you're starting to feel kind of distant from God. You feel guilty even. You feel guilty about it. And you might even feel too guilty to pray. Have you ever felt that? Man, I have. Now, the flip side of this is when you are doing all those good things, you feel really good about your relationship and you feel like, man, me and God are really tight right now. We're really close at the moment. And you almost feel like worthy of being a Christian because you're doing all that sort of Christian-y stuff. Now, in both those cases, either when you feel distant and guilty, not close with God, or you feel proud, we need to remember Jesus It's not about us. It's not about you doing the right things. When you trust in Jesus, you are close to God. If you're a Christian, it is not possible for you right now to get closer to God. You just are. You're close with Him. There's nothing you can do to draw you closer. Nothing you can, there's nothing you can't do that will pull you away and mean you're not as close to God. Unless you abandon Jesus altogether. But hear that, you can't get closer to God if you're a Christian. You and God are like this. So in those times when you are feeling distant and um, too bad for God, like you've let Him down and He wouldn't want to hear your prayers anymore, preach to yourself, it's not about me, Jesus died for me. He brought me close to God. If it was up to me, Jesus died for nothing. I am close to God through Jesus. And now I want to finish by speaking directly to one of you sitting right here in this room. And I can see you there. Um, But I think this will be helpful for us all. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, Last week, you told me that you would become a Christian. But you weren't telling anybody yet because you were feeling guilty 
about still doing things that, you should, that a Christian shouldn't do. My friend, I want to tell you, there is not one person sitting in this room here who isn't doing stuff they shouldn't do. Not one Christian here is perfect. None of us are perfect. That's why we're Christians, because we know we need Jesus. So don't be ashamed. If you are trusting in Jesus, he's taken all your guilt away. You You can now be open and honest about the fact that you sin and are a sinner, because Jesus dealt with that sin 2,000 years ago. It's done. You can now enjoy the freedom that we have in Jesus because you're saved by Him alone, not by anything you've done. How good is that? 